So probably you only have to explain that one <laughs> because I'm not uh, music wise. Uh, yeah, I've come to uh, a season where that's over. Uh, God has called me to another season. And I was telling someone yesterday, I'm here in Hubli, uh, when they were asking about this, I said, we all have seasons in life. And if we know our season, then we will be able to finish our season well. Otherwise, you know, the last bit of our work, ministry or anything, we are lagging. It's like Sachin Tendulkar, when he had to finish that last 100. You know, he did so well, but that last 100, everybody will go to watch him. He will not finish that 100. Then the stadium, half of the stadium is empty because they are like, okay, they were disappointed. And his last stage was so bad that even the commentators were talking about his retirement. You see, we should retire even before people can suggest or hint about retirement and take up something what God has called us. So that's how I feel as a musician thing. And today, and I want to thank Pastor Abraham for uh, giving me this privilege to be with you all in this manner. And, you know, uh, not many people would have had this privilege, but uh, Pastor Abraham hosted me when I, when I had come to Cambodia. And uh, it was such a wonderful time of ministry there. And that was my first trip to Cambodia. This would be in the year 2004. And, uh, and it's so nice to see a man of that caliber who had made important choices to serve the Lord. It's, it's just important. It is, see, serving the Lord is not just when everything is over. Uh, but even at the peak, at the prime of who we are, we should really be, our, our Christian identity should be visible. Many times people come and ask me, Benny, how come I've seen you everywhere you go, you mention the name of Jesus. And um, uh, you always uh, give that credit to Jesus. I said, my God has a name and I want to make sure that his name is known. Just saying, God bless you. Which God you're talking about? That coming from India? You know, you really need to at least define the name of that God. Who is that? So I always make sure that <clears throat> his name is glorified, even at the peak, not just inside the church. When I went and performed at uh, Miss India, I would talk about Jesus there. When I had to uh, present myself in the palace in, uh, in uh, Abu Dhabi, I talked about Jesus. When I had to speak at the TEDx events where they say you cannot bring any religion inside, I would always mention my story of what Jesus did to me. You see, when Jesus is part of your life and your lifestyle, it should automatically come. There is no more. You're not proselytizing, but you are. That is your story. Like how my passport is my story. My world record is my story. Jesus is my story. What is the use of me being known as a musician without being known that Jesus is the one who transformed my life? Today, I'm going to talk about fervent prayer. And, I, and this is, you know, this is one of my favorite passages because of the word ordinary. And if you have your Bibles, please turn your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 16b to 18. Um, I always tell people, this is what I learned from Lauren Cunningham. If you don't have a Bible, sit next to a Christian. A Christian will carry a Bible. So, uh, but I know you're all in your homes, so you have no excuse for not having a Bible. Otherwise, you need to find a Christian neighbor. To have a Bible. So, uh, James chapter 5, 
16b to 18. I will read this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah was an ordinary human being. One of the translations also says he was an ordinary man like you and I. Many times when we think about prayer, you know, either you need to have a prayer warrior title or you need to be a pastor or an evangelist signs and wonders and miracles and so on and so forth. We think that only certain people have that gift and that thing to pray and all the others will be dependent on them. But Bible here, it says, Elijah was an ordinary man. And most of us are ordinary people, if not all of us. So if this ordinary man could fervently pray and see the result, each one of us, we should and must have stories of the result of a fervent prayer. We must have stories. As a family, you must discuss. I would say that after the service, it will be good for you to discuss. Mommy, daddy, son, daughter, when was the last time your prayer was answered? It's a good thing to ask. Your prayer, I'm not talking about your pastor's prayer. I'm not talking about a prophet's prayer. I'm not talking about a televangelistic prayer. Your prayer, when you prayed fervently, when was the last time you had an answer? Then you have to even introspect inside and ask, what is the kind of prayer I pray? Are you praying with faith that you will see something to happen? It is like this lady. I heard this story as a Sunday school student long time ago. And I still remember there was a lady who fasted and prayed that the mountain will move. Because according to the Bible, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you ask this mountain to move, it will move from here to there. So she prayed. And she prayed and she prayed. Three days she prayed. Then she got up. She uh, removed the curtain. And she looked at the mountain and she said, I knew that you will not move. Now, that is the kind of prayer we have. That we pray everything, but we already have preconceived idea of the result. No. Faith is beyond that. And today I want to focus on the beauty of Elijah. Why his prayers were so dramatic, so drastic, and so big. What is this fervent prayer that you and I as ordinary people can have that in our lives? Whenever I read this passage, I'm reminded of our wedding, my, my wife and myself. You know, we got married on the 6th of August in 2015, which was a rainy season. And we wanted to keep our wedding uh, outside St. Mark's. The reason is then we will not have to wait for the reception, we can quickly have our reception. So the difference between wedding and reception, time was only five minutes. And we had it, but this whole thing was, and we were cutting our costs. The only reason is so that we can bless somebody else. Now, saving money at a wedding is not just because you don't have enough money. It'll be beautiful when you save money from your wedding so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. And that's what happened from our wedding. We cut down as much as possible so that we can be a blessing. And uh, those, who, those who attended our wedding will still remember because we did not serve dinner. So that's why they still remember that. 
If you had your dinner, you would have forgotten by now. So till today, people still talk about how we did not have give dinner. See, if, if, the wedding, if the food is good at a wedding, you'll remember for a week. If the food is bad at a wedding, you'll remember for a month. But if you don't serve food at all, you'll remember them for a lifetime. And I thank God that people still remember our wedding for a lifetime. Pastor Abraham is smiling and you can ask him why he is smiling. Uh, and even Sister Shoba, I don't know. I, I think you were all there, no, for our wedding? Yes, yes, yes. So, so see, what happened at the wedding is, because it's a rainy thing, we were concerned about how the ground was going to be. So they told us that, Benny, there is a Chinese tent, which is cheaper. And I said, okay, what, what is the big deal about Chinese tent? They said, if the water drizzles, then no problem. The Chinese tent will handle that well. But if it, and then I said, what about if it rains heavy? Then they said, if it rains heavy, then the water will drip. And I checked the weather forecast, 6th of August, 3.16 p.m., thunderstorm. Every day, it is saying thunderstorm. And here, I told that guy, his name was Shetty. I told him, see, if I can have faith only for a drizzle, don't you think I must have faith that it will not rain? See, your faith might be irrational in the eyes of the world. But if you know deep inside, this is what the Lord is leading, follow that. And we did that. We prayed. Even 6th August morning, I checked the weather report, 3.16 p.m. thunderstorm. But I'll tell you, the weather was so beautiful. People came from different countries. And some of them were saying, Benny, seems like the whole city is air-conditioned. And God blessed us with so much. The day before it poured, the day after it poured. It is all, I will tell you, the credit goes to a fervent prayer. Credit is nothing else other than to Jesus. Somebody said, prayer is effective not because of great men who pray, but because of a great God who graciously hears his people. Stop giving the credit to men and women for all the wonderful things the Lord has done. Let the credit go to a great God who hears our prayers. Otherwise, we'll keep running from one meeting to another meeting, from one prophet to another prophet. And finally, the prophets will be making a lot of profit, but you will be going through huge losses. But I'll tell you, if your prayer, that what happens in that closet, what happens in your time with Jesus, that matters the most. That is something that can be, uh, that can be so special that we can see wonders and miracles and signs and wonders with what happened in Elijah's time. So, First thing, why was Elijah's prayer answered? The fervent prayer, you know, why was, prayer, that's a good question to ask. Why was prayer, Elijah's prayer answered? I've prayed all kinds of prayers, I'll tell you. You know, I prayed for blinding of the officers. I played, uh, in fact, if you would have watched one of my YouTube videos on Libya, I prayed when I, when, when I uh, you know, once in two weeks, I'm putting these videos of my stories. And when I opened my passport and when I checked with the passenger, because it was all in Arabic, it said, you, your profession is engineer. I am not an engineer. And engineers don't look like this. This kind of hair and carrying guitar, no engineer carries that. So there is no way I can even fool. So what I did, I prayed to Jesus because I know as an Indian with an Indian passport, I'm constantly questioned at every immigration. So I prayed to Jesus. Jesus, I don't want to tell lies. So please mute this officer so that 
he will not ask me any questions and I don't have to tell lies. And God did that miracle. He muted the officer. Not a single question was asked. They took my passport, stamped it. I think when I came out, the pastor was so shocked that I came out so quickly. See, God can do that. So first point is why Elijah's prayers were so amazing is because Elijah learned to completely depend on God. Elijah learned to completely depend on God. He did not have a plan B or a plan C. Today, the world, it's all about plan B and plan C. Daughter, apply in five colleges. If one does not come, we can at least go to the other. That is not faith. Faith is not about plan B or plan C. Faith is only one plan. Trust God and he will answer. He will not fail you. But again, it is not a lottery system. You need to be sure that this is what God is calling you to do. You need to be sure that this is what God wants you to do. And here, first thing Elijah did was he completely depended on God. He did not depend on anyone else. He did not depend on influential people. He did not depend on shortcuts. He completely depended on God. It is very difficult in a modern world we live in. When it comes to finances, we'll tell God, I'll give you three days time. If you don't answer, then I have other plans. You know, people come to me and they'll say, Pastor, please pray for me. Uh, and I always ask people what to pray because, you know, I, I don't have this gift of uh, the word of knowledge. I don't know what they're asking. So I straight away say, please tell me what can I pray for you? They'll say, please pray for me that the bank will approve my loan. Now, this is a wrong prayer request to a wrong person. I've never taken a loan in my life, never borrowed money. You know, I've never... Uh, 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 I've never asked for money. And here I would tell this person, if you can trust God for a loan from the bank, don't you think God can also provide that money? Why do we limit God based on our limitations? Now, again, I'm purely talking from a person who lives by faith. I might be completely wrong in the eyes of this modern world, but I can only share what I have practiced. I would always trust God. And I only depended on God. I, I, I have no source of depending on anyone else. And it is dangerous when you depend on people. But it is wonderful when you can depend on God because he will never fail. When he has spoken something, he will surely bring it to pass. He has never failed. So for me, in 2002, when Jesus gave this vision to travel to every country in the world, you know, I needed money, first of all, to buy tickets. I need to pay income tax so that I can at least have tax papers to show to get my visa because you need to at least show three years of your income tax. When I don't even have income, where will I pay taxes? See, I'm telling God, vision is beautiful, but you're talking to the wrong person. But I depended on God. Many times my documentations were not even full. But yet God would intervene and he would do miracles with my visas. And I was able to travel to all these countries. Sometimes I'm inter interrogated in the, I remember one, I had to go to Boston for one day. Flew from India for one day. The visa officer could not comprehend. You have no money. You fly to Boston for one day 
Where do you get the money to do these things? I have to tell him, you know, I trust in God. You know, it is just pointless. So they appointed four officers to interrogate me for three hours. And after three hours, they ran out of all their questions. And the senior officer came and said, we have to let him go because he has answered all the questions and we have no more questions to ask him. And they said, we don't understand him, but we have no more questions. But I'll tell you, faith is irrational. You cannot explain to people, but when you live it, it becomes a testimony. So today, I always make sure that my life is dependent on Jesus Christ. Every answer that I have, you know, I, there's no other way. Only Jesus. People come and say, Benny, other than Jesus, can you tell us how did your life change? How did you travel the world? I said, I cannot. No, when I started to travel, I did not have a bank account. If you go and tell somebody God is taking you to every nation and you don't even have a bank account, who is going to believe you? So I would tell them, it is only, I, I, I only have Jesus. And today that's why I can go into the most secular world and still talk about Jesus and get away with that because I have no other option other than Jesus Christ. Second reason why Elijah's prayers were answered is because Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. What kind of prayers you're praying? Is it a BMW prayer, Rolls-Royce prayer? A big fancy house prayer? What kind of prayers? But I'll tell you, God's prayer, uh, well, Elijah's prayer to God was always God-sized miracle. What is a God-sized miracle in your life right now? What is that you're praying for? It has to be a God-sized miracle. And that's what Elijah did. You know, in 2002, when I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to travel to every country by 2010. You know, the danger part was God gave me a starting date and a finishing date. If he would have given me only the starting date, it's very safe. It's like, you know, somebody prophesying, saying, you know, your daughter will get married in December. Very safe because it can be any year. December you choose, any year it can be very safe. But here you have a proper date, starting date and finishing date. You know, I need God. This is a God-sized dream. That's why I always tell parents, parents, don't allow the mark sheet of your children to define what is the career that you need to take up. Don't allow the market to define what is the kind of things your children should do. How many times we allow the system of the world to define the future of our children? And most of the times, it is all about money. You want your daughter to become a doctor, not because you want to serve mankind, because she, she will be able to get a good salary package. Always, we allow money to be the defining factor. You want to buy something, we always look at money. Money, 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 everything is about money. But God-sized miracles is not dependent on the money that you possess. It is God who will provide. And so for me, in 2002, when Jesus said, I'll take you to every country in the world, I did not have an example. I did not have a role model who had been to every country in the world. You see, when God gives you that vision and a dream, you don't even need examples. He is our greatest example. But we need to fervently pray. We need to pray, God, your will be done. You know, that is a God-sized prayer. Your will be done. Even though it sounds so simple, 
I'll tell you, it is so important that his will be done in our lives. Whether it is in sickness, whether it is in healing, whether it is in the way we share the gospel, whether it's the way we live, whether we take our decisions, we have to live according to his will. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. I remember when we could not get electricity for Chai 316 because they asked for a bribe. I said, I will not pay a bribe. So I had two choices. Either I wait and allow God to do a miracle or I invest on solar, which was going to cost me 30 lakhs. So I trusted the Lord. I said, God, we need electricity, but we don't want to give a bribe. And suddenly one lady, well, so the guy who was fixing a CCTV camera overheard my conversation with the builder. I said, I will not give bribe. I'd rather live in darkness with good character than having light and living in guilt. So this CCTV guy, he told Benny, my wife is working in Bescom. And so he told his wife and his wife goes to the chairman. I don't know where she got the courage. She goes to the chairman and, and she says, sir, if you help this man, God will bless you. Who will believe a statement like this? I am not Benny Hinn. I'm Benny Prasad. Nobody knows me. And she's going and telling, you know, if you, if you help this man, God will bless you. And this man was from another faith. And he said, okay, give me his number. He calls me and he says, I just heard what you're doing. Can you tell me what is the need? I said, sir, I am willing to pay legal money. Whatever is the right amount, I will pay. And I want my electricity. He says, done. He sent the engineer next day. Everything was done. You see, we need to depend on God. Sometimes it is so difficult or almost impossible to live a righteous life on this earth today. But we need to pray. See, if we are going to become like the world, how can we be different? How can we be called set apart? In our work life, we have to take the right steps of life. It is not easy. It is easy to sit in a church and preach. But when we have to go out and stand up with the values of the word of God, it becomes difficult. But I can tell you that if you pray these God-sized miracles, God can move the heart of the strongest opposer. He can transform. If Saul could be turned from his old life to becoming the carrier of the gospel, don't you think that the same people who are persecuting you, same people who are blocking you? I still remember when, when you know, I made 334 phone calls to the Ministry of Immigration in Pakistan. When everything was there, I picked up the phone, called up the embassy, and the visa officer picked up to connect me to the ambassador, but the visa officer forgot to mute. And I still remember this, even though it is 11 years ago. He said, Mera dushman aapka dost phone mein hai. Which means, my enemy, your friend is on the phone. He didn't even mention my name. Everybody knew about my story. When I knew that the visa officer has called me his enemy, the story is over. There is no way I can get my visa. But in the midst of the greatest opposition, the Lord paved the way for me to get my visa because it was his plan. I'll tell you the most stubborn person on this earth can still be melted when God intervenes. But we need to pray those prayers. Third one, Elijah's prayers always pointed the world back to God. You see, his prayer always pointed 
back to God. God was glorified. Today in this world, I'm not pointing out at anyone, but many times when we pray, it is the man or the woman of God who's glorified. Many times when we share the miracles that have happened in our lives, somehow we make sure that it is a human person who gets a greater glory and the credit than God. Many times we say, oh, if this man prays, God will answer. No. Uh, you know, this is a funny story that happened in Australia, in Brisbane. I was preaching at the Kenmore Baptist Church. When I finished preaching, an Indian couple came and said, brother, we want to take you for lunch. I said, no, the pastor is taking me for lunch. I can't. Then they went and somehow convinced the pastor. They were new to the church. So the pastor said, I'll take you for dinner, but let them take you for lunch. Okay. And the lady of the house, she was, she was so good to me. She just, she was, she was just nice. She talked so high. And then we sat at the choicest of restaurants there. And then she told the husband to order whatever I want to eat. And then she said, so brother, tell me. I said, tell you what? She said, tell me about my future. Tell me about my family's future. What is, I said, I am sorry. You're talking to the wrong person. I don't know anything. She said, no, when we heard the sermon, whatever you shared was exactly what we were going through. I said, well, praise the Lord. But when I was preparing my sermon, God never told me anything about you. But if you were touched by the sermon, all glory to Jesus. But I have no idea about your future. You know, the lady who spoke so well to me, our lunch was finished in seven minutes and we were, I was dropped back. So she was so disappointed. You know, like this, I could have taken full advantage and blabbered whatever I wanted. It is dangerous. But you see, we cannot give the credit to man. It belongs to Jesus. Whatever has happened, if God has used a man or a woman in our lives, it is because of his sovereign plan. But let us give the rightful credit to Jesus for that. So Elijah always, his prayers always pointed back to God. So friends, as you fervently pray, let the credit always go back to Jesus. That's why no matter where I go, I always make sure that Jesus is used in my uh, messages or anywhere. Doesn't matter. I've lost many things. Now, I was supposed to speak in uh, Dubai for the World Travelers Meet invited by the king of Dubai. And everything was there. I was supposed to give a lecture. And in the end, after all, when I sent my bio, they decided, they wrote to me saying, we are really sorry. We cannot have you because uh, um, based on uh, the event, you, uh, you know, your profile does not match or something. No, this is world travelers meet. I hold the world record for being the fastest man to travel to every country. In what area my profile does not fit? Profile problem is because I always mention the name of Jesus. That is the problem. See, if you are disowned because you are known as a Christian, wow, what a privilege that is. It is a blessing to suffer for doing something good and something righteous at your workplace. Anywhere you go, do not hide yourself. You are called to radiate the light of Jesus Christ. We must be known for our faith. We must be known for what Jesus has done in our lives. And the fourth one, the last point, Elijah prayed fervently until he saw the answer. Elijah prayed fervently until he saw an answer. Do we have that fervency in our prayer? We say, God, sometimes we threaten God. We say, God, I'll give you three days time. 
in these three days, if you don't do a miracle, then I'm going to do my own thing. So as though God is scared of you or something. But you see, we, we become manipulative with our prayers sometimes. We become, you know, we, we just threaten God. But say, God, if you, do, if you don't do this, then I'll stop going to church. Then I will stop praying. I will stop reading the Bible. Please. Please, God is sovereign. He is the creator. And when we pray, we have to fervently pray. Don't give up. See, Elijah fervently prayed until he saw an answer. He kept praying and praying and praying and praying. You know, I'll tell Sunny to show that one picture, please, from Egypt. This is a beautiful story, which is unbelievable. I'll tell you, after I tell you also, some of you will have doubt. Now only I'm telling you that. So this, okay, you can see this picture and this place. I went to do a concert in a Coptic church in uh, Cairo. So before going to the church, they took me for lunch. And this was a mountain there. And if you see that, it says Al-Mukattam. So I asked my host, Mohib, I said, Mohib, what is uh, the meaning of Al-Mukattam? He said, Al-Mukattam means the mountain moved. I said, what a silly name for a mountain to have. And uh, he said, no, Benny, this really happened. I said, no way. What are you talking about? He said, okay, then I, see, whenever I get something, I always check. Whenever you get a fascinating testimony on WhatsApp, please go back and check. Don't just get carried away with the story. Half of the stories are fake. But always go back and check. So I went back and checked. When I checked, it, uh, it was a story that happened. There was a time when there was a king called Al-Muiz. And this king enjoyed having these debates between the Christians and the, sorry, between the Coptics and the Jews. And there was a bishop called Bishop Abram uh, from the Coptic side. And, uh, and so, you know, Yaqub was representing the Jews. So they used to have these debates. One day, Bishop Abraham got an upper hand over Yaqub. So Yaqub wanted to take revenge on Abraham. So he went and told the king, you know, the, the Christians believe in this Bible, in the New Testament. Where there's a verse which says, if you have faith of a mustard seed, if you ask this mountain to move from here to there, it will move. So the king next day summoned Bishop Abraham and said, is it true that it says in the Bible that mountain can be moved through faith? He said, yes. So then the king said, well, this is the mountain and I want this mountain to be moved in the next three days. And if you don't move this mountain, that means your religion is false and I'm going to kill every Christian in the land. Now, Bishop Abraham knew a lot of theology, but theology cannot move mountain. He needed faith, but it was tough. So what he did, there was an ordinary man called Simon, Simon the Tanner. Simon was a cobbler. He used to stitch shoes, but he was known as a man of faith. In the Coptic circles, they consider him as a saint now. So Simon, uh, so Bishop Abraham went to Simon and said, Simon, the king is going to kill all of us. This is a true story, by the way. And uh, uh, he's going to kill all of us. So Abraham said uh, uh, that we will not be living anymore because the king is expecting us to move this mountain. And Simon, in his innocent faith, he said, then let's move the mountain. 
Abraham said, how? He said, let's all gather around the mountain and pray. So all the Christians came together. They gathered around this mountain, the picture. And they prayed and said, Lord, have mercy. Every day they prayed, three days. On the final day, you know, the officials were there. King was there. And when they prayed, the history, this is historical report. The history says the mountain lifted up and started to move. When they sat down, the mountain sat. Again, when they stood up and said, Lord, have mercy, the mountain started to move. Three times they did. And when they measured, the mountain had moved three kilometers. Seeing that, the king gave up his kingdom and he became a monk among the Coptic Christians. That is a historical story. Faith of a mustard seed. Yeah, you can close this, please. So, I want, I want to encourage you. Can we have that faith? If a cobbler could have that faith, why not? Yes. Who is that girl? Uh, Jacob Screen. What is her name? Rihanna, Pastor. Pardon? Rihanna. Rihanna. Wow. I love the fact she gave a thumbs up. That is faith. I wish the adults would learn that language. Thumbs up. When I asked, can you have that faith? She put her hand up. I... I pray and I wish that you will have amazing stories of faith in the future that your generation will turn and trust the Lord more than science, more than what the world can offer. We need that. And I want to tell you, friends, that if we can have this kind of prayer, today, prayer takes the last option. We have time for everything, time for concerts, Time for worship concerts, uh, time for uh, messages, time for uh, celebrations. But when, and I'll tell you, this is very common to any church, any denomination. When the pastor says, can we all gather for a time of prayer? No. Oh, pastor, you know, workload is heavy. This is heavy. That is heavy. And yet when we are in trouble, only prayer works. I want to tell you, even when you're doing well, let your fervent prayers be part of it. It is important. I'm still learning. I'll tell you, as much as I'm speaking, you don't know about my personal life. I also need to work a lot in my fervency of my prayer. And praying when everything is going well is a challenge, honestly. When things are not going well, it is easy. When, when I have a fight with my wife, easy to get up at five in the morning and pray. You know, when I'm having trouble with my neighbors, easy to get up at 4.30 in the morning and pray. But when God has blessed everything, actually we should be getting up at 3 in the morning to pray, but it doesn't work like that. Somehow the, the prayer that was one to one and a half hours will end up becoming three-minute prayer because everything is going well. Please don't wait for problems to get your prayer life back on track. God can help us to even be faithful in our fervency of prayer in these things. So I want to encourage you, church. It is so amazing. I thank God for Pastor Abraham and his family. The reason, again, I'm not boasting this man. I, you know, pastor is not a, a pastor. He is, uh, uh, you know, he, he, is, he is, he's a simple man. But, you know, a man of this caliber, he took the path of walking this path of pioneering a church like this. It takes a lot. Very, very few examples and testimonies are there. Very, very few examples. 
And I thank God that 13 years, it is not easy, 13 years of consistency. But, but his leadership has led the growth. And again, you know, the growth that I see in Amazing Grace, I always ask my sister-in-law and my brother about, you know, how is the church? What kind of people come there? all these things, because I was already always interested is what kind of people will come to listen to Pastor Abraham? Not that he's a bad man. I'm telling that, you know, he is an amazing man, but, you know, his feet is so different to the typical pastors. AG pastors is different. But it's amazing to see the type of people who come there, who grow deeper in the world so that you can defend the gospel. That is our vision. That's why we run the Apologetics Discipleship Training School uh, at Chai 316. Our goal is that we will have intellectual and rational conversations with people in our urban city. We are constantly waiting for some leg or some hand to be broken. Then we will share the gospel. I'm just waiting, Benny, when my CEO loses the job, I will immediately carry the gospel. No, even at the peak, the question comes is, can a person who's healthy and wealthy come to Christ? You know, Ambani needs the gospel as much as a prisoner in Tihar jail. Somehow we are passionate about people in the prison. But don't you think people need the gospel? Our managers need the gospel. CEOs need the gospel. Our classmates need the gospel. Everybody needs the gospel because it's the good news. So please have that compassion even in the urban city. Your neighbors, your classmates, your workmen. And it's not easy. City. Sharing the gospel is tough. You know, at Chai 316, we, we spend about eight months to nine months to see at least one salvation. A person who has never heard the gospel. It takes eight months for us. And eight months is not once in a, once a month meal. We meet every day. There was one particular girl. She was a topper in statistics. Every day I met with her for three hours. It took eight months for her to accept Christ because she did not have problems. She was a topper in a college. She comes from a very conservative family. She, she's a very modest girl. It was so difficult to look at problems from her so that I could share the gospel. There was nothing. But we sat down, we reasoned, we had intellectual conversations, we had a comparative religious study, and we saw that she gave her life to Jesus. In the eighth month, she says, Benny, I want to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I said, why? She said, because he's the only one who can rescue me from sin and from eternal death. That is so nice to hear that rather than saying he's the only one who can help me to get a job or he's the only one who can cure me from cancer. Because most of our testimonies are like that. And no wonder we are not able to reach out to the educated world because they say, Benny, my company is going well. Then we don't have anything else. We always wait for something bad. To happen so that we can bring the good news. You know, good news can be given even at the good point, not just at the worst point. So let us, and that's what we do at, at Apologetics TTS. You know, we have doctors, engineers, scientists, all kinds of people who take three months off, come and do this course so that they can get equipped and they can have rational conversation. I want to tell you, parents, if your children have questions, please answer them. Don't tell them, what is your age and what is my age? That, is, that will not work. If you don't answer their questions, they will try to find answers elsewhere. And many times, 
they will be in the wrong path of knowing the truth. It is important. We deal with children at Chai 316, and we are surprised to seeing how Christians are talking. Sadly, our Sunday school teaches creation, but many times creation ends up in Sunday school also. And when young children go to college and where evolution is taught, kids have no answer for creation. And hence, they end up believing in evolution. So many Christians who are, who are, in, uh, uh, who are in the college believe in evolution because they have no clue about creation. Parents, sit down and talk to them. Talk to them about the word of God. It is, it is high time. If you do not do that at this age that they are in, they will be led in the wrong path. So I want to wrap up four things. Elijah learned to completely depend on God. Elijah prayed boldly for God-sized miracles. Elijah's prayers pointed the world back to God. And Elijah prayed fervently until he saw an answer. We need to pray fervently. And I believe that each one of you will have your own story of prayer of what Jesus has done. Shall we close our eyes, please? Loving Father, I want to thank you for your amazing grace that you have showered upon the amazing Grace Church. 13 years of your faithfulness, of your goodness, through testing times, through even these corona times, that you have sustained this church and uh, you have kept this church intact so that they can be your salt and your light to the nations. I pray that you'd bless Pastor Abraham and the pastoral team, the church leadership team and the congregation. Lord, I pray that this church will be known for their fervency in prayer. This church will be known as a praying church. And Lord, this church will also be known for God-sized miracles so that your name will be glorified more than anybody else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.